Welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast, hosted by Creelan Peters, the fear whisperer of Creelan.com. Listen in as Creelan interviews powerful people who have tamed their fears, embraced their greatness, and gotten out of their own damn way. And now, Creelan Peters. Welcome to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast. I'm your host, Creelan Peters, the fear whisperer. Today, I welcome Sam Nordberg to the show. And before I bring her on the line, I just want to tell you a little bit more about her. Sam loves creating kick-ass courses. That's right. I said kick-ass courses, and I can't wait to hear more about this. She works with passionate people to take all that stuff out of their head and turn it into a course. With over 10 years' experience training others, she makes the process quick, easy, and plenty of fun. She loves watching someone get a new concept and loves it when people take what's been taught and built on it implement it, and get great results. Sam loves that she gets to share what she enjoys with hundreds of people. So welcome, Sam, to the show. Thank you, Graylin. Yes, I'm so excited. And we were just talking pre-show about um, our time difference. So tell tell everyone where you are calling in from. So I'm calling in from Brisbane, Australia, which is where I call home. Um, although it does mean that it's currently 5.45 in the morning, um, <laughs> and it is the middle of winter here at the moment, so it's a little cold, I will admit, and the sun hasn't risen yet, but we'll call oh, it dedication. Oh, my goodness. That is, that is total dedication, and I so appreciate I'm sure all my listeners appreciate that dedication in getting your story out. So I would love for you to start by just telling us a little bit more about your story and how you have learned to get out of your own damn way. All right. Well, first of all, I have to say a really big thank you for having me. When I heard the, the concept of what you do here and I heard what you called it, um, I was just so intrigued because I've felt like several times across my life that the only thing stopping me was me. And often I didn't realize until hindsight, probably. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, my background originally was in retail. I dropped out of uni to work in a, one of the big box retail stores. Okay. You can imagine how that went with my mother, of course, when I dropped out of uni after six <laughs> weeks to start working at the equivalent of Walmart, really. Mm. Um, so that, that didn't go very well. But I knew that <laughs> university was the wrong choice for me. And it was probably the first example of me having to go, well, hang on, there's no point dedicating years to doing something that I'm really not into. Mm-hmm. So um, after spending about seven years in retail, I got to a point where I realized that I was working more than the nine to five. We were working six till six, um, and sometimes that was overnight, so 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Oh. And at that point, I had two young children, and again, I had to kind of go, I love the job. I'm really passionate about the people I work with, but this is stupid. <laughs> That sums it up right there, yeah. So I guess that was the second example. But then what happened is I left the world of retail, and and when I left, what I realized was what I'd been doing the whole time I was there wasn't selling, it was training. Mm -hmm. And it took me a while to realize, but what I I realized is the whole time I'd been working in retail, I'd been in management, so I'd had teams of people working for me. So my job was always to train those people how to do things. Mm-hmm. But 
it was more than that. It was about teaching them the customers how to buy from you. And people think that's sales, but realistically, it's a process of education. Um, that's an interesting just, spin, yeah. Well, I always figure that just as you're trying to educate people about getting people out of their own way, everyone else is trying to educate people about what they do and how they do it and how they're different from someone else. Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to realize that my entire life, really, I've been in training and not sales. Um, and so what happened then over the past 10 years is I've been working on building those skills and helping people train other people to get a message across. And so that's what I do now in terms of courses. Now, along the way, of course, it hasn't been that smooth. Um, there's been a divorce. There's been a relocation. There's been a couple of kids. But I think all of those are just examples of how sometimes we put barriers in the way and, and stop us from doing the things that we really should be doing. And we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, and I'm not an advocate for divorce by any means. Um, but it, it was one of the best things I did. Yeah. <laughs> because it was it was the wrong decision for me, and, and we were the wrong relationship. And letting go of that and moving past that was one of the best things I chose to do. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. <laughs> Oh, on every single level, because I have also been divorced, and uh, it, there's, um, have you heard of Debbie Ford? No. So Debbie, and she's passed on, but she was a big thought leader, very popular here in the U.S., and I think she had somewhat of an international following, but she talked about, her big thing was talking about the shadow, so our shadow self and the dark side of things and embracing that. But she had gone through a divorce in the middle of her great work, and then she used that to um, catapult her into a new direction of talking about the spiritual lessons that you get from divorce specifically. And it was so amazing to see someone um, who had that platform and that big audience be talking about that because mm. I was going, I had gone through my divorce already, but I, you know, I, I have a child too with, with my ex-husband and as you're raising your child, like you still have to deal um, energetically and physically and other ways with that other person as you're raising a child. And um, so it, it comes up continuously <laughs> um, even yeah. after the divorce. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. I mean, we, just to make things one step more complicated, my um, my ex-husband and I are still to this day, and we've been separated for almost four years. Um, we're business partners, so we work together, and we still work from the same office two to three times a week as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were we were very, very dedicated to, as part of the separation, making sure that we could maintain a business together and that we could still co-parent. Um, but you're right, it brings up so much stuff along the way, and it was definitely a really big growth period where I had to kind of just get out of my way and try and work on not what was – it's hard to explain. We always put the kids first, but it was not without letting go of what was important to me. And I had to find that balance of making sure I was still being honest to myself while still putting them first. Yes. Yes, it is. it's a balancing act, and there's always – juggling those priorities, but and, and I teach a lot with my clients and students, too, that idea of putting yourself on your priority list. A lot of us fall off um, of yeah. our own priority list, and, and if there's that whole oxygen mask uh, metaphor of you've got to put your own oxygen mask off on, I'm sorry, on if you're um, 
plane is crashing because you need to be able to breathe in order to help other people. But we so often forget that because we want to help, and especially our children. I mean, come on. Like, who, who's more important in our lives, right, than our yeah. kids? Yeah. I mean, it's you see it everywhere. I see it with um, clients when we're working on courses as well. It's that... You know, you have to, you have to A, look after yourself. You have to be in a good place to write a good course. But secondly, you have to acknowledge how good you are at something. And that's a really hard concept sometimes because we're so used to being modest. And especially here in Australia, there's this huge tall poppy syndrome where you don't, you don't ever tell anyone you're really good at something because that'd yeah. be a bad thing to do, right? Yeah. So, yeah, you just have to. You have to be able to be kind to yourself and to be able to acknowledge what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to just back up a minute because I have audience members all over the world, um, but I have enough people from your neck of the woods to know what tall poppy syndrome is. But could you explain that for some of my listeners who may not know what that means? Oh, sure. Sorry. I forget that that's it. So <laughs> tall poppy syndrome um, is about where – how do I explain it? Um, it's about where people are always willing to cut down the person who's doing the best. So it's where there's the tallest poppy growing in the field, but all the other poppies get upset that that one's taller, so it cuts it down because they don't want someone that's taller than they are. Um, so it's a real mental thing whereby if someone's doing really well, if someone's thriving, everyone else is real keen to cut them down. And normally that's just verbally. You know, there's just a bit of a snide comment or a, yeah, but, you know, it's all right for them because they're rich or those sorts of comments. Um, and so it, it breeds this real mentality of how you don't want to be the one who's doing better than everyone else. And especially here in Queensland, where I am, there's a real passion for supporting the underdog. So that's the, the smaller one or, or the losing side, which is great if you're the losing side. Um, it's not so great if you want to do well. <laughs> right, right. And it's, and it's some, you know, we, I think everyone has this version of, how people treat one another wherever they live, for sure, because, and and I'm trying to even think of what we would call it here, but it is certainly a similar experience that I've had, too, where, you know, you have people who seem really supportive, really happy for you, but then you do get that, well, why would you want to quit your job? (laughs) Well, why wouldn't I want to? You know, so it is. It's those little backhanded comments that maybe – they don't intentionally mean it, and maybe they do, but most of the time I don't think people intentionally try and hurt others. It's just out of their own fear or their own yeah. insecurity that they have these comments because they're they're in their own world and their own paradigm, and those of us who are busting out and wanting to be the tall poppies, or maybe we it's not necessarily wanting, but that's what we're called to do, um, we – we're just there to, to shine and to, to do the work and to be our best selves and to help other people along the path. We're not doing it to hurt other people either. Yeah. Yes, 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 and yes. I find a lot of the time it comes from their subconscious beliefs. In, like you said, it's their fear. But often I find as well it's, it's their um, it's a fear of themselves. It's because subconsciously they've got this belief that they could never do it, that they're not enough. And so when they see someone else doing it, it it kind of, it pulls on something inside that they don't necessarily even realize is there. Um, And and I see it lots. And yeah, as I was saying, I've I've honestly found that to write a great course or to share your message in any way, um, be it on a stage or on a podcast or whatever it might be, 
you have to at some point really believe that you've got something worth sharing. And that's hard if you don't believe that you're any good at something. Yes. Yes, those two are conflicting ideas right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's funny how many people still have those conflicting ideas or thought they've moved past it, but somewhere deep inside they still hold that ounce of, yeah, but what if I don't have anything to say? Mm-hmm. This sounds like a, a conversation I was having with my business coach yesterday. <laughs> 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 because I think that we all still have that. I think that we – you know, we grow up with these beliefs and we work to overcome them, but then something else happens and it might bring something up. Maybe not as strong yeah. as it did a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, but there's still, you know, kind of that thing. Um, and it's, I think the real trick is being conscious of it and bringing it into the consciousness, um, into the light so that you can take a look at it and go, you know what, this is not true. This yeah. is, you know, a false belief, and here's all the evidence. And um, so I think it's really important, and I talk all the time about having a really good support system to help you remember when you have that selective amnesia, I call it, like forgetting who you <laughs> truly are. Yeah, it's so true. And I um, I recorded a video yesterday, actually goes live this morning, um, about sort of that whole process and that whole – because what I realize is that we've all got this self-talk, right? We all, we all talk to ourselves. But like you said, it doesn't matter how much work you've done. Sometimes this little niggling voice still appears. And if, if you're not careful, that thing grows without you realizing. And I was doing it the yeah. other day. Um, I, I realized just how unkind I was being to myself. I was treating myself in a way that I wouldn't treat anyone else, any of my clients. Uh-huh. I, you know, I expected so much more. I pushed myself so much harder. And it took me a while to kind of go, wait, what am I saying to myself? Like I'd never say that to another human being. Why would I say to me? It's true. I I get that all the time um, when I work with my clients and students, and I have to remind them that too because it's it is. You know, we we say really mean. We're your bullies. We have an inner yeah. bitch in us that just like goes tooth and nail, like hair pulling and scratching and biting and and. It, you know, we would never treat anyone else like, well, I'll speak for myself. I would never treat anyone else like that. Um, but it's, it's amazing what we allow ourselves to do. And and if we, like you're, you said, if you don't keep it in check, it will grow and grow until you, you wake up and you don't realize it. So one of the things that I think is so important, and I love talking about this. I have a lot of things I love talking about, apparently. But <laughs> this whole idea of, you know, we we're not just, we don't just heal something and then it's complete. You know, there are yeah. different levels of healing. And if if we could just heal something the first time around, then they wouldn't. The world wouldn't need people like us. <laughs> you know, we would that's, we would have it all figured out. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, it's okay to get stuck. It's yeah. okay to need help. It's okay to not know the answer. It's okay to be afraid. It's what you do next that matters. Yeah. But I think there's an important reflection on that in it, just about everything else we do. I mean, if you want to be really skilled at something, like anything, playing the piano, for example, you, you practice your whole life. Like you don't get to a point where you're like, oh, I know how to play the piano now, and then you just stop. Mm-hmm. Now, all the great musicians, they continue to practice, and they practice and they practice till they're 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 because they know that it's a skill that they're still building. 
and that there's always more room for growth. And I think it's exactly the same. It doesn't matter whether it's a tangible skill like the piano or whether it's an internal skill like dealing with self-talk. It's not a, oh, I've learned that now and I'm done. Mm-hmm. There's always more room for growth. Yes, I love that. I, I love that analogy there. It, it's absolutely true. And going along with that, people say practice makes perfect. And I like to say practice makes progress. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't believe in, I mean, I think that we all think there's a perfect out there, but we all have a different definition of what that is. So it's very arbitrary. Uh, so as long as I'm moving forward most of the time, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I like that. I really like that. Um, and I think it's so true because I see it all the time, and I'm sure you see it too, which is that people are constantly striving for this thing called perfection, which mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure is like this lie that we tell ourselves that exists. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm yet to see anything that is perfection. Um, you, and you can you can see it all the time. You can look at the most wonderful it, website, for example. You stumble on someone's website, and you're like, oh, my God, this is perfect. Their website's amazing. I promise you they don't think it's perfect. They're pretty sure there's gaps and things they want to change. <laughs> right, right. Um, so it's, it, perfection really is in the eye of the beholder. And the problem is that when you're the, the eye of the beholder, you don't see your own perfection. So that means we're always striving for this thing that we can just never reach because it's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the same, and I'm sure you see it with everyone who has a message to share, but courses are a primary example is that people are always just pushing, like, they're never quite ready to let go, and they're never quite ready to release their message to the world because it's not perfect yet. They haven't fixed that PDF (laughs) yet, or they haven't changed that video yet. And I'm like, dude, just just share it. Like, seriously, oh, my God, just let it go. It's okay. I promise you it's okay. Oh, I love that you brought that up because I am actually in the process of creating my first program. And um, that's why I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to talk to you just because it's, it's <laughs> everything, I think, comes in when it's the timing is right. And um, by the time that this episode airs, I'm going to be um, in my promo month. So, Ooh. yeah, so it's like I'm I'm gearing up for it, and I'm really excited, and I'm so scared. But it's good. It's good. And I love that what you said about just let it go already. And this is a theme. This is uh, this show's theme. Every theme or every show seems to have a theme, and, and this one, because you keep saying letting go, um, like as far as your divorce, and now you're talking about, you know, when we're sharing our message. It is. It's, it's that letting go that it has to be, quote, unquote, perfect or a certain way, and, it, and yeah. it's just a matter of getting it out. It's not the end product and the end result isn't really the point. And I think we forget that. So thank you for the reminder. No, that's all right. But also, I have a six-year-old daughter who's hooked on Frozen, so everything is let it go at the moment, I swear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the song heard around the world, I think. <laughs> oh, it does my head in. Um, something you mentioned, though, a word you said in the middle was that you were scared. And I think it's really important to stop and to recognize that because I tell my clients this all the time, and I'm going to tell you the same thing. Being scared about it is a genuinely good thing because mm-hmm. what it means is that you care. Mm-hmm. If you didn't care, if you didn't care about how well your clients would do with your content, if you didn't care about whether they'd think it was valuable, if you didn't care about these sorts of things, then you wouldn't be scared because you'd have no emotional attachment to it. 
So whenever I'm talking to anyone who's scared about launching something or who's fearful about sharing their message, you know what, it's a really good thing because it just means that you genuinely care about the outcome. And that's fine. Like that's that's a great thing. It is. And I, I deal so much with fear, um, with my my tribe as well. And and I I love that you're sharing that because I think people misunderstand what fear is here to teach us and to show us. So um, that's a really great message that you're sharing with people, that it, it does. It show, I, I tell people it, it shows you the edges of your passion um, yeah. because, you you know, if you're, if you're not trying to stretch outside your comfort zone a little bit as an entrepreneur, you're not doing it right <laughs> in my eyes. <laughs> I like that. Someone asked me, um, I was on a podcast probably last year sometime, and the question the host asked was, is it true that the first year in business is the hardest? And what you just said there was pretty much my response, which was, I'm pretty sure as an entrepreneur, every year is the hardest. Because yeah. you're always pushing new boundaries. You're always trying new things, and you're always finding out new stuff, and you're always pushing yourself to to find, a, find where you're comfortable. And, and so is the first year the hardest? Yes. But hell, so is every year after that. Like, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I and I, you know, and I, I lately I play a lot around with language. Um, I think language is so important. And one of the things that I am working to change in my own language is the use of the word hard because I I don't want things to be hard. I want them to flow. But there is that idea of resistance, and when we have resistance. Um, we need to look at it because I, I don't think any of us get into um, the work that we do because we want to struggle and we want to be um, thrown outside of our comfort zone and, and given all these quote-unquote opportunities to grow. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that that's why we're doing it, but it's, it's kind of um, a byproduct of this entrepreneurial journey for sure. Um, so I, I think that if we can, you know, change that a little bit instead of, yeah, I mean, we do, we we do struggle for sure. We have, you know, we have goals to meet. We have um, particular revenue goals. We have, um, goal, you know, so many different types of goals. Um, but if we can get out of our own damn way, look at that. I use that <laughs> phrase um, and allow that fear to help us rather than to keep us um, paralyzed then we are on the right path. Yes. And I think, yes, 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 and yes. I think sometimes hard is the wrong word. I think that we've taken this word hard and we take it to mean that, oh, it's going to be difficult and I'm not going to enjoy it and, and all these sorts of things. And I think really what we mean by it is just sometimes there are roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And I think the way, especially when she talks about, you know, the first year in business being the hardest, what she means is that there are the most roadblocks because you don't know what you're doing. And I think that anyone who just goes, okay, well, I've learned everything now, so next year is going to be easy, next year is just going to work, it is kind of lying to themselves because I've never seen a point in my life where everything runs 100% to plan, 100% smoothly. And hell, if you've got that life, please tell me because, you know, it's not like that. Um, I, I tell people this on social media all the time. Is that you've got to remember that everything you see about everyone else's life, you see through the filter they want you to see it through. Yeah. So. You see the bits of their happy, joyful life that you want them to see, and then you convince yourself that your life isn't quite right because it's not like that. 
But that is always a lie. There is an essence of that, which means you don't see the whole truth. And I think it's the same when we use this word hard. It's just that it's not, it's not that I want it to be difficult. It's just that I would need to be realistic and go, it's not going to flow 100% smoothly 100% of the time because it just life doesn't work that way. No, and, no. And, and you don't want to reach that exactly first roadblock and give up. Right, right. And that's what I see a lot of people doing. Um, and I've done it, and I still do it sometimes. And then I go, oh, wait a minute. That's just, you know, <laughs> oh, this is just testing my resolve. Okay, I got it. Okay. Um, so <laughs> but it, I, I like that, that spin that you put on it. And it, it reminded me of what you said earlier about the website and how we might look at someone as other someone else's website and think that it's perfect, just like me, we might look at someone and say, oh, well, their business, and of course, we're looking at it from the outside. It looks perfect. They look like they, you know, they've got a ton of clients. They're selling a lot of products. They have a a big, strong team helping support them behind the scenes. But then you, you know, pull back the curtain, so to speak, and it's chaos. You know, like I... I've had launches in the past that everyone else on the outside thought were smooth. Well, I have spent half the time in the hospital before my launch. Like, it's, you know, there things happen, (laughs) you know. And and that's why when you, you know, try and make all these plans, part of the plan needs to be being flexible when it doesn't go as planned. Yes. Yeah, I think part of the plan needs to be go with the flow. Look, you have to let it go and get out of your own damn way. <laughs> and and that it will happen. And you've got to have faith that these things will happen, but that you will be strong enough to deal with them. Um, mm-hmm. And all of this makes us the person we are. I had someone the other day ask me if I regretted getting married because it led to divorce. Um, and, and I don't regret anything because all of it led me to be the person that I am. And it built me mm-hmm. to be what I am on the inside and the outside, and I have no regrets. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm smart enough to realize sometimes I made the wrong choice, but I have no regrets. Right, and and the thing is that you can also look at it and say, once you realized it was the wrong choice, you course corrected, and you got a divorce. Yeah, so it's, (laughs) I mean, who hasn't made a freaking mistake in their life? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, and like I said to the person, you know what? At the time, it wasn't the wrong choice. You know, we, we right. were very happy. I mean, to this day, he is still my business partner and the father of my children, and I love him dearly. We just, mm-hmm. we make a bad couple. Um, right. But it, at the time, it was the right choice. You know, for, for where I was in my life, for what I was feeling, it felt right. That just didn't mean it was the right forever. And I see that with people with everything in the online world, um, you know, websites, podcasts, whatever it might be, courses. They have this fear about making it perfect because they think it's going to be there forever. And while on the internet, things have a tendency to hang around. You know what? If you don't like it, just delete it. If, if, if the course doesn't what? sell well, just take it off the market and sell a different one. If, wow. if you record a video and you put it out and you don't like it, just delete it. So it's so much permanent. I know. It's crazy, but it's true. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious! I, you know, it's it's, it's so true. You know, I'm laughing because it's so basic, but it's so true. We forget, we do, we think, you know. And I believe that it's good to have a certain amount of seriousness when you're in business and you are responsible to your clients and and your customers and your staff. Um, 
However, oh, my gosh, if we take ourselves too seriously like that, I mean, oh, my goodness, you know, like, yeah, yeah. just delete it. Hit rewind, hit, hit like, do over, do over. It's, it's okay to um, – for things to fail. I've learned so much from all my failures in business. I mean, I've launched courses and no one's even visited the freaking website, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know them too. That didn't work. <laughs> you know. But have I learned from that? Absolutely, you know, and it's it's just a matter of keep going. And this is such a timely conversation, too, for me, um, and I, I so appreciate um, everything that you've shared and, and all the things that have come up in our conversation. And can you believe we're just about out of time already? I know. I was just looking at that. I'm like, where did that go? I know. It goes so fast. It always goes so fast. Um but, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. And before we wrap up, though, Sam, I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you um, if they'd like to learn more about how you help people create their courses. Sure. So there's not a lot of Sam Nordbergs on the website, on the Internet. You can probably find me fairly easily. Um, but the best place is either samnordberg.com or just come and stalk me on Facebook because I spend far too much of my time there, even though I probably shouldn't. So uh-huh. if you want to talk to me, I'm probably on Facebook. <laughs> and again, there's not a lot of Sam Nordberg, so you'll find me. All right, and that's N O R D B E R G is Nordberg, just for for people to to know how to spell that. Um, thank you. Thank you again so much for being on the show. No, thank you very much for having me. Absolutely, and thank you all for listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast. Be sure to stay tuned for more episodes of people who've learned to get out of their own damn way. Thanks so much for listening. Are you a master at getting in your own damn way in life or in business? Let Creelan Peters, host of the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast, show you how to tame your fear and embrace your greatness. Take her free quiz at creelan.com slash quiz. That's K-R-Y-L-Y-N dot com slash quiz. You've been listening to the Get Out of Your Own Damn Way podcast with Creelan Peters, the Fear Whisperer. Join us next time for more inspirational stories and leave a review on iTunes. You can also find us at creelan.com slash podcast. That's K-R-Y-L-Y-N dot com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in.